It's time for building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday february 6th and you're listening to episode 558 as always i am your host jason here today joined by regular co-host frequent contributor person who's always around jamie sabriel flez how's it going you can't get rid of me i am always around it is true. I see you at least once to twice a week. Now we have these other meetings and I feel like I see oh my you God. a lot. I'm okay yeah. with it though, but I do feel like it's a lot. <laughs> I have more than one friend, I promise. <laughs> no, we uh yeah, we've been having a good time doing all sorts of meetings, things that we're not talking oh, yeah, yeah. about right now, but that are pretty Oh, but cool. soon. Oh wow, teasers. Yeah. Teasers, yeah. So String you got to string the crowd along. <laughs> but we're not allowed to talk about them yet because uh it's not just you and me talking. It's a whole bunch of people talking. So we gotta gotta make sure yeah. everybody's uh, involved there. So that's so, what you. Yeah. That's what you know. We're doing something, and it involves more than two people. Yeah, Hints. Uh, quite a bit spoiler. more than two people. Hence, spoiler alert. That's the facts. <laughs> and Janes and and I was trying to think of a non-binary. Jamie's. Jamie's. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so legit. I was trying to name a card for a design that I was making. This is before fight sequence. And I, I was trying to come up with the gender neutral version of Jack of all trades because I've heard of Jill of all trades. Right. So I was trying to think and a customer. I was working at a coffee shop at the time and I was talking to a customer about it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, what about Jamie of all trades? And I was like, I'm never forgetting that. That's amazing. So now I say Jamie of all trades. That's good. I, uh, I need to figure out a, uh, I, so I, I, you know, I used to say like, I got your back, Jack. Uh, and then I went to say it to one of my friends whose, whose girl, uh, I went to say it to her one time and I was like, well, I can't say that. So I started saying I'm in your lane, Jane. Um, okay. <laughs> so All now right. I'll have to, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to think of a, a gender neutral version of that. Here I am, Sam. Oh, that is actually surprisingly good. Yes. Yeah. So I, to, uh, I, uh, I, I'm, I like the sayings. I like the random sayings that are unnecessary, but they make me feel good when I say them. Yeah. Uh, we feel the samey, Jamie. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. 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 That's good, too. Um, all right. Well, hey, this was a whole conversation about... Uh, <laughs> about um directly related to what we're going to talk about next yeah oh so directly related (laughs) yeah 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 no i i feel like it's completely not but hey what you've been it's been a bit since you've been on the show just just you and hanging out so uh what you been up to oh my god yeah you've been busy i know you've been busy but what you've been doing i feel like I feel like, yeah, I feel like every time I've been on in the past like year, it's been like for a specific thing to talk about. Right. Um, well, so I had that... we are going to talk about a specific things. We are. But it, it's like an actual game design thing. I feel like yeah. I, for the amount of times I've been on this podcast, the amount of times I've actually talked about like generic game design stuff is so exceedingly rare. It is. It is. 
<laughs> it is. Well, um, you know, I mean, stick to your stick to your strong suit. So, that was a zinger. Whoa, whoa. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Ding, ding. No, I'm actually we bummed. Don't feel the samey, Jamie. <laughs> whenever you and I talk about that stuff offline, I'm always like super impressed by your thorough knowledge of things and the stuff oh, you man. say. And, you know, so well, thanks. So, yeah. So it's always funny when, you know, like we don't talk about that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not for lack of trying on my part, but uh, I mean, I was I was super busy. I was super busy. Things are calming down now. Um, what have I been up to? I oh yeah, well obviously when you were on before, you had been working on your contract work. Oh yeah, um, for that yeah. So yeah, and the contract is over. It's behind me. Yep. What a cool experience that was. That was so valuable. Right. Yeah, for me. it yeah. was rad. Um, yeah. but I'm really just like relishing the fact that I have free time again. Um, and of course I've been working on um. You know, I leveled up to full time at my day job um, yes, and yes. got promoted recently and stuff. So I am the inventory manager of a fun, like cool mom and pop grocery store. We have two stores. It's a husband and wife of 10 years who owns it. And they're just like, nice. they're so rad. And everyone I work with is really cool. And it's just super rad. And I love it a lot. That makes such a big difference. It yeah. really does. Like just oh having... God, yeah like people that are good to work for people that you're like yeah i want to come to work because these people are cool yep this is really the first job that i've felt like that for like more than a month uh that is really good to feel that way i mean not that you didn't feel that way before that sucks Uh, right (laughs) i I don't (laughs) know that i've really felt that way much either though so i I get it (laughs) it it was astonishing i read uh a study that was done it was like over five thousand americans were polled this was the year before the pandemic i think i think it was 2018 maybe 2017 Mm -hmm. over 70 percent of people hated their jobs yeah yeah and it was like across like a hundred different common industries it was wild but it it made sense sad is what it is it's like it's just so sad that i mean i I mean, I worked for 20 years in, in an industry where the jobs were, were not fun and were, were pretty awful. Yikes. And um, yeah. And so I, I certainly and now you work for yourself. Yes. I mean, you can love coworkers, but like you can even love a company, um, but it's hard to love a, 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 a uh, like a, a field or a, or a business, you know, a type of business, yeah. an industry, I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, yeah, you know, when an industry is just really was just, you know, definitively not good. So yeah, it's rough. Yeah. But, I mean, that's one of the things that I like about where I work, because I work at a grocery store, and we like partner with local farms to get cheap, fresh vegetables to people. And it's like, this that's is cool. like, we're doing, yeah. we're doing our own little pocket of good here. It's really cool. Yes, you are. Um, but yeah, honestly, I've just been like playing more games, which is something I was that's really good. missing. Yeah, <laughs> I bet I, you uh, were. Yeah, <laughs> I had uh, I had not enough time. So I've, I've just been playing a lot of games recently. I've been playtesting a bunch because like in between the last time we spoke and now I went to Proto Spiel online mm-hmm. and I thought I was because I just still needed to recover. I, th- I, I normally do mod shifts every day of Proto Spiel mm-hmm. um, and then play games afterwards. But I just opted for one moderator shift right at the start to kick things off. And then I thought I was just going to sleep all weekend. But of course, I can't stay away from Proto Spiel. And I stuck right, around. Right. And I play tested a lot of games, including one of my games that isn't fight sequence. Can you believe it? On a Were there win- witnesses to this play test? Who are they? I yes. want to talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody uh, I know? Or are these like yeah. witnesses from like, you know, oh, they're from another country. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. My yeah. girlfriend in Canada. <laughs> um, no, it, a bunch of people from the building the game community even. 
Oh, uh, so it. I can actually try and, and verify this. You like can it. try to verify this. Yeah. So it's a it's a game that um, so something I've been doing overall recently is polishing off like a not that's not what I mean to say taking off the shelf and dusting off and repolishing all of my games that aren't fight sequence. Right. Right. Um, and Which so is, that's been how super is that? fun. I was going to say, does it feel refreshing to like? Yeah. Because you can love a game, right? You can love your game so much. Oh, oh, I but do. But at some point, <laughs> like, you just want to do something new, right? I mean, I think that, like, as designers, that's just in our blood, right? Like, we want yeah. to do something new. Um, and so when you don't get to, like, it's frustrating. I, I was saying for myself, you know, I've I finished entering the Cardboard Edison Award. I've got this one thing with this publisher I'm working on. And then I've got some other, got one other deadline that I'm working on. Like, and I actually want to do that one. Like, that is something I'm excited about. But, like, I finally now in February get to work on stuff that I've been, it's been on my to-do list now for a month. <laughs> get to finally work on it. I'm really <laughs> excited. That's awesome. Finally. Yeah, I know. It's weird to, like, uh, my housemate has to put in his calendar the free time that he spends. And that has always been wild to me. But after this period of time where I was just, I just had no free time. I'm like, I get it now. And I really want to try to live the kind of life where I don't have to do that. So um, do they like, you're saying like they put in like, Hey, you have free time here. Do something fun. Like that sort of reminder uh, for themselves. No, it's like or? they book themselves with friends and meetings and work things mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. events and yeah. rock climbing and all this other stuff that they'll look at their calendar and be like, oh, I don't have two consecutive hours of free time in the next three weeks uh, because they just they schedule their whole life kind of thing, which is right. I relate alarming. to that. I relate. Yeah, to that. I. Uh, I'm not as busy as that person sounds like, but like I do schedule everything. Cause if it's not on my calendar, I will not show up to it. Guaranteed. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. I will not be there if it's not on my calendar. So that's fair. Yeah. I've been migrating to that too, but I just make it a point to be like, if I have an event, I don't schedule anything for two hours before or after it. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get that. I meant like for reminder's sake though, like oh, yeah, like, yeah. Hey, Jason, show up to this recording tonight. This was not on my calendar. The fact that I showed up is amazing, actually. It's because we <laughs> talked about it like yesterday. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, you'd have been sitting here by yourself like, where's I Jason? I mean, I think I've been on the podcast enough times that I could run. I could steer the ship myself. It's and just true. vent into the vent into the microphone for an hour and a half about Jason didn't our show up. Topic. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I was going to just talk about the thing that we're going to talk about. But I mean, also, yes, yell at you. But yeah, no, I mean, Anders just has this compulsion with like filling his calendar with stuff. I'm like, how, why, why? Oh my God. Oh. Anyway, so in a nutshell, I've dusted off all my other games. I'm still working on fight sequence, of course, and will be forever because I love that game and we'll make 80 million expansions if the world lets me. Um, right, right. I'm going to keep making them until they tell me I got to stop. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I know the feeling, until I'm yeah. dead, essentially. Yes. Um, but yeah, and just playing video games and just like getting back in touch with the gamer half of being a game designer. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And yeah. that's been really great. I bet it has. Oh that's my gosh. Yeah. I'm happy for you. Heck yeah, thanks. I also started exercising again. That was a big thing that dropped off. Yeah, right when you get busy and it's like, uh, I, don't, yeah, yeah. I don't think I can exercise. I don't, I don't, yeah. Yeah, by the end <laughs> of it, I was like, mm, I feel like a slug. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, it's just not good. Anyway, right. Congrats on making the uh, cardboard Edison deadline. Thank you. Yes, yes, I made it. Uh, it was it was closer than I wanted it to be, but I did make it. So no mm. complaints. 
I've been invited to be a judge again, but I don't know if I'm going to do it because. So what I need is some people that are not my friends to be judges because like Uh, half the people I know that are judging are like, well, if I see your game, I'll just have to like, you know, I'll just have to say no to judging. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm at the point where nobody's going to be able to judge our game. (laughs) I can. Yeah, I know. We have to stop being friends. Yeah. Stop making friends in the industry. So we have objective viewpoints. I can judge my friends games objectively. I think I'm at that point in my Oh, yeah. I just mean that, like, um, a lot of others that I've heard have said, like, oh, no, I'll, I'll have to say no to that one or this one. It's like I had asked Connor for some advice on some stuff. And I was like, if you're going to be a judge, I don't have to ask you. He's like, no, that's fine. He's like, I'll just he's like, I, I if I saw your name on a game, I would say I wasn't I wouldn't do it anyways. But, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I. Cool. All right. You got a topic. You have a topic you brought. Oh, I have a topic. You said, listen, next listen, time I'm on, I got a topic next time I'm we need on, to talk about. This. I have a topic we need to talk about. That's what you That's said. That's what I said. It was, yeah. <laughs> and then I said, I was like, okay, like I'm sold. I don't even need to hear what the topic is. You want to talk about Great. a topic? Let's talk about a topic. I like Vanilla. topics. Yeah. I like topics. Topics are so cool. All right, are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. Vanilla is my favorite flavor. Cheesecake, yes. ice cream, game design, vanilla. I'm all about it. I cheesecake, ice cream, game design. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I that's um, a that's my that next good. t-shirt. I have many, many strong feelings about vanilla stuff. I thought you just meant in general. I yes, also in general. <laughs> I have so many strong feelings. Stop. About vanilla. Stop. And other stuff. Stop. Um so I, the the inspiration for talking, coming on the podcast and talking about this, mm-hmm. I have talked about this with many game design friends. Some I know very well, some I don't know very well. Uh, in the past, like couple of months, I must have had conversations, maybe a few months. I've had conversations about vanilla stuff mm-hmm. and all my feelings about it, which I will elaborate on in just a sec. Um, man, maybe like a dozen times now, and I'm like, it, I, it, it, it is wild to me, like how poorly treated vanilla stuff is now misconstrued it is when it is so important can we and can we take a sec to just have you define oh yeah like, I, I know what it means that's, i'm familiar yeah that's exactly what i was gonna do it, next but, uh, <laughs> yeah but i would love to have uh people who maybe may not be as familiar with it or maybe thinking oh i think i know what this is but let's yeah, just yeah. make sure we're on the same page oh, also yeah. there's always the chance that we're just wrong and that's my favorite part <laughs> is when people <laughs> are like that's not what that means that's not what that means okay so vanilla um I first heard the term, and uh, this is probably common for game players and game designers. I first heard the term in regards to Magic the Gathering, where a vanilla card, uh, it most commonly refers to creatures, like the main card of Magic, and a vanilla creature is something that has no text effects or abilities, or keywords, nothing. It just has, it has the attack stat, it has the toughness stat, mana cost, the end. Yep. no special abilities or anything. No special it just, abilities. It does what it does. It is plain. Yes. It is almost like it's vanilla. Yeah. But I mean, all right, quick, quick side, quick aside. I'm actually really bummed at how vanilla, the word like vanilla is the flavor that's equated with like plain stuff because vanilla as a flavor is like actually really rich and complex. And I super love it as a flavor. That wasn't a joke. Um, I, all right. Yeah. Aside over back to game design. <laughs> Um, 
So just that's that's my little rant about vanilla. It's it's not treated well in anywhere. Um, it does have. I not, think what you're referring like, to is good vanilla because crappy yes. vanilla does just taste boring. But yes, good well, vanilla ice cream that's made well. Uh, oh yeah, has. I'm all, talking about like, vanilla bean. Not yeah, artificial yeah. vanilla extract. You know what yeah. artificial vanilla extract is? Is wood pulp soaked in alcohol. And then they take that alcohol and they distill out all the wood pulp pieces. And that's artificial vanilla extract. Because there's some vanillin in wood pulp. That's your okay. fun fact for the day. I did not know that. But I do know that. Uh, what I do know is that um, uh, if you know how to tell if it's going to be good vanilla ice cream is that there are black black dots in it. Those are yeah, not Yeah, because those are little those pieces are vanilla of vanilla beans. beans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so back to defining vanilla in game design. Yes. Uh, the most common take on it is vanilla is, you know, those creatures. They have no abilities. They have no effects. Mm -hmm. That is not all that encompasses vanilla, but that is the, like, that's the foundation. Another example of something vanilla to take from Magic the Gathering is the card Lightning Bolt. It costs one mana. It deals three damage. That's what it does. It doesn't right, do anything right. fancy. It just deals some damage. That's a vanilla yep. card. <clears throat> yes. Um, I also like to use the examples of deck builders uh, in basically all cases. I'm sure there are deck builders that break the mold here. But when I think about a deck builder and I think about my 10 card starting deck, those are vanilla cards um, in Clank. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I guess yeah. in that context. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought of it that way, but I don't disagree with you, but I would not have yeah. thought of it that way. Um, yeah. So in Dominion, yeah, right. yeah, you have your hand and it's the seven one coin mm -hmm. cards. The What is it? The copper. Copper is the vanilla money. And then you have the estate, right, which is right. the vanilla victory points. I Well, I guess all the victory points are vanilla because they don't do anything else. But um, but yeah. Right, right. Um, I... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Other examples are... Uh, Lord. Have you played Lords of Waterdeep? I have not. I have not. Okay. Lords of Waterdeep is a popular worker placement game. Mm -hmm. And the real quick version is you're collecting cube resources to fulfill quests. Like that's the main gameplay loop. It's a worker placement game. So you have like your two meeples and each round you're assigning them to different spots to get different cubes or do different stuff. Uh, and over the course of the game, you can build additional buildings for fancier stuff, but those starting like four resource things, it's like get two orange cubes or get two uh, black cubes or one mm -hmm. white cube or one purple cube. Those are the vanilla actions of the game. Yeah, I mean, so really, it's kind of defined as whatever thing is the basic action or the basic thing yeah. that your game does, basic unit, basic card, whatever, yes. without any flair, that's vanilla. Yep. Um, one of the things that I love about vanilla, if I can say this real quick, is that yeah. in games like Magic, uh, I played Marvel Snap. I know you weren't a fan of it, but I'm still a big fan, and... Um, yeah. In a lot of those games, any type of miniatures games, anything, vanilla cards uh, or vanilla pieces, cards, whatever, like if you're looking to calculate to understand pricing of things, like not pri like, you know, like, why does this cost this many mana? Why does this have this? Like, those are all calculated based on the vanilla stats. That's the yes. secret to figuring it out. And as game designers, <laughs> we can use that to figure out what our base resource cost is in a game which is very powerful information to have when you're trying to balance. So Yes. Yeah. So I, so everyone listening at home, uh, I have a page and a half of notes that I wrote for this uh, uh -huh. based on all the conversations. And here is literally the first bullet point, Jason, to let you know how much I agree with you. The <laughs> first bullet point says, and I quote, it's the most important, vanilla 
actually all right so vanilla stuff is what i wrote it's it yeah. could be cards if it's a card game effects yep. actions yep. like the lords of Waterdeep example all that stuff so i'm gonna so vin- when i say vanilla stuff i might say vanilla cards because i'm used to talking about it in card games but port it into whatever genre of game right, you're right, right, right. anyway right so vanilla stuff is the most important part of the game uh two bullet points under it for designers it sets the baseline benchmarks to design the rest of the game around mm-hmm. and for players it sets the strategic and tactical baselines for players like during play so yep. literally yep. exactly what you just said yeah 100 percent agree that's like the top of the uh, like that's the top of the branching narrative of right my whole thing and i that's like the thing that started me on this conversation is me saying that exact stuff it's the most important it's the most important thing in the game for designers. It's X for yep. players. It's Y. And then a whole argument ensued. Um, <laughs> debates and debates. Um, you know, a funny thing about not vanilla stuff, like v- non vanilla cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the funny thing about players. They don't want to read cards. They don't, they just don't want to do it. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's a, like it's players want to understand things as quickly and intuitively as possible. And I can't, I cannot tell you the number of times that I have taken Fight Sequence, a game that I've been working on almost constantly for about five years, and I've trimmed back the complexity more and more. And then sometimes mm-hmm. I make a mistake and I boost the complexity up and I'm like, oh, I made a mistake. I, I, I need to trim it back more and more and more because, you know, I want more than 100 players to play it o- across the world and right, be able right. to understand and, it. Yeah, and that is obviously a concern is that if a game becomes too complex without any of the vanilla in it, it makes it, you know, how many times have you like sat down to play a prototype? Like, and I'm guilty of doing this. I'm not making fun of people. I am 100% guilty of doing this, especially in the past where you sit down and every card is like, so text heavy that you're like, I'm going to be here all day. Like, I don't know what to do because there are five cards that are by hand and everyone has a half a paragraph. I don't know what the hell to do because I don't know what half these things mean. Uh, and you know i ran into that situation a lot and that's what got me thinking about it and talking Mm -hmm. about it in the Mm -hmm. first place for sure and i also used to be guilty of it um yeah it's anybody that likes making a game where there's going to be any sort of variable things in it you're going to be guilty of it at first you just are like oh yeah for sure part of it is hey this is a paragraph that could be two icons right it's that simple (laughs) but sometimes it's like this is just too complicated right Right, yeah (laughs) You, you gotta the thing yeah there's i as you'll come to hear in this episode, I have many, many thoughts. They're all intertwined. I, this tendency for especially newer designers tend to overcomplicate their cards at first. And I was guilty of this too. I see it um, with designers, especially with, I mean, not solely, but especially with designers who come from trading card games uh, as opposed to coming from the board game hobby um, because they tend to equate vanilla mm-hmm. with boring or basic stuff, yep, yep. especially when it's like, you know, you're not going to see outside of things like Lightning Bolt, you're not going to see vanilla stuff in competitive decks. Right, right. Because that's not where the power is. But the thing about it is that, you know, hobby board games are not going to be played nearly as many times as a TCG. They're not lifestyle games like a TCG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. so there's a lot of danger in assuming that players will learn the any given game or card well enough that the complex stuff doesn't seem complex anymore. Right, because right. if they just don't understand it, if you can't onboard them to the game, they just won't play it again. Right, right. So it, it's funny in Marvel Snap, there's a bunch of vanilla cards, and people were like, "Oh, this like, why are people playing these cards?" And I was like, "Like, they just like they just weren't good enough 
and then they introduced something that made all the vanilla cards better. Like one card that says, if this is, if this card has no ability, then here's why it's way better. Uh, and I was right. like, how clever, like you made, you made us read one card so that we could play 10 cards that were plain. Uh, right. And that was yeah. clever, right? That's like, what a great way to hack that system. <laughs> and so, yeah, so that's an example that I've seen bandied about recently. And even before you get to stuff like that, like, so that I think is an exception to the rule in terms of like how play, like how designers should handle including vanilla stuff in their game. Um, because that it's a sort of crutch, I think, in my opinion, I think mm -hmm. it is cool, but I think that as an overall design philosophy, it is dangerous to only have, you know, set it up. So vanilla cards have value based on the context of other cards interacting with them specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, an example I can give you from fight sequence, the introduct their introductory decks that I use to teach people the game. And I stress like, Hey, learn yeah. with these decks and then move to the character decks, which are like the full game, the intro decks, they're called Academy decks in the Academy decks. Half of the cards are vanilla, right? The, right. the gist of the game, as you know, is building sequences and then disrupting sequences. And the fun part is disrupting sequences. Um, there are no vanilla disruption effects. The vanilla effects are all the basic things that you are disrupting. Mm -hmm. yeah, so right. there aren't any things really that are saying like, you know, all of your cards with no text effects get better um, because I think that's sort of like a Band-Aid. Uh, and it it means right, that right. to me, it says that the designer does not have faith in the vanilla cards carrying themselves. You hear that, Marble, Marble Snap? Well, <laughs> it's interesting because like, I, I think what you see where people like taking advantage of that system in interesting ways like that was what was most intriguing to me like there's this there's this card called brood where the ability on the card is that it makes two more copies of itself right but the mm -hmm. copies are vanilla cards um but they mm -hmm. also have a certain level that makes them work with like five different decks they're like it's one of the strongest cards in the game and it's super simple but like i like that people are finding ways to make that work in a way that wasn't necessarily immediately intended. Right. Like that's right. what I think is neat about it. Um, oh, yeah, I agree sure. with you that like vanilla cards should be interesting on their own, not just because somebody said now all the vanilla cards are better. Right. Right. Uh, it's I totally the, agree with that idea. Yeah. It's the, I think what I'm trying to stress is that vanilla cards form your strategic and tactical baseline for the game. Mm -hmm. And, Vanilla cards, when they're doing their job right, they make the interesting stuff more interesting because they highlight it better. Right. Like you can't yeah, appreciate the chocolate until you eat the vanilla. Um, I have notes about this. Hold on. Um, yeah, there's also just like fatigue with reading lots of text. Like you said, it's hard to read lots and lots of text on cards. Well, uh, that's especially what you when said. Like a TCG gets um some bonuses for that because it's expected that you're going to play the game a thousand times right right exactly and so when they've got they can have cards that are a little more complex because you're going to figure them out over time right right um but that's one of the things i loved about fight sequence though was that like in the beginning when you showed it to me like the first parts were just plain cards like that let mm -hmm. you understand the fundamentals of the game exactly uh, which is incredibly important for teaching i mean that's just you know, and like I, I there's a number of games I've played, you know, like when you think of like uh, 
roguelike games, right? Use this mm-hmm. ability where you start off with these vanilla weapons and then, oh, now I can get a sword that also does this, right? And then yeah. you're trying to say like, well, the vanilla one does more damage because it's just straight up. That's what it does. But this one lets me break this rule. Like, which one is better, right? And yeah. you have to think about that. And I, I like that. Yeah, it's emergent complexity is what it is. And vanilla cards allow you to really have a lot more control over that emergent complexity because mm-hmm. it is a really powerful tool for onboarding players to your game. Um, and another thing about it is that I see a lot of people, you know, going back to that point about, uh, you know, especially players coming from TCGs um, for into game design, uh, just because a vanilla thing is straightforward or basic doesn't mean it's it's not good. And there's a lot of value in having a card or an action or whatever it is, multiple cards, actions, whatever they are, that are straightforward to understand, mm-hmm. easy to use, easy to resolve, and always good. Like yep, that, yep. that is extremely powerful. That's a powerful tool to have in your game. <clears throat> and I think that that is something, though, where designers need to remember that to do that, designers need to make sure that they are they're doing the math to price those things in a way that makes them worthwhile right yes exactly or i mean i guess unless they're just using it as a teaching tool right if i am playing a worker placement game where the standard workers are just boring and my goal is to upgrade them i also don't see a problem with that right because it's starting with the teaching tool and then it's theoretically providing you multiple pathways on which ones to upgrade and you then have to decide in addition to which ones, you know, what do I want to upgrade them to? If there's multiple options, you also have to say which ones can stay vanilla for the longest and still be worthwhile. Right. Right. There's and that goes back to that points. emergent complexity. Right. Assuming there's decision points there. If there's not decision right. points there, you're doing it wrong. And that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The um, one thing that a recent conversation I had with uh, my game design best friend, Matthew Hawker, who I love to death. Oh my God. Matthew Hawker. Matthew's great. What a a funny dude. Um, He had this really interesting point when he was backing me up in a conversation about vanilla and how much he loves vanilla cards is that one of the big strengths about vanilla things in game design is that they keep the complexity in the decision space, not on the cards or the actions or whatever. And -hmm. basically every game needs more of that. Like just the, yeah, yeah. Just the, like, allow players to feel the core of the game through vanilla stuff Mm -hmm. as much as you can control that. Um, I know it's hard sometimes, like if, uh, you know, if you have a pre-constructed, like this happens in fight sequence sometimes with the the pre-constructed character decks, you know, maybe 15% of the cards are vanilla. And so it's totally possible for someone to shuffle the deck, open up five cards in hand, and they all have text effects. And, you know, yeah, I've... I've become okay with that, but that, right, I mean, that's right. part of the reason the Academy decks exist in the first place. Well, obviously. Um, yeah. Cause that guarantees you the chance to teach them. Right. With right. Yeah. Without having the crazy effects. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, uh, yeah. Allowing players to feel that out with vanilla stuff will allow them way faster and with way more confidence to make like to analyze and make choices with the more complex and nuanced stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing about it is that it, something that Maya said, our friend Maya said that I thought oh, was really yes, interesting Maya. is that smart. the strength 
of vanilla stuff is in its versatility and simplicity. And the strength mm -hmm. of complex stuff is in specific niches, whatever the specific niche of the complex thing. That is very accurate. Yeah, it's very accurate. And I thought that it was a brilliant statement. And it sort of made me think of a sun where the big giant center orb of the sun. I'm thinking of like a little cartoon drawing. of Yeah, a sun. yeah. With the, yeah, I know. What I'm picturing it. Yeah. And so the big giant orb of the sun, the that's what you want to be the vanilla you know chunk of the game you want it to be the thing that someone sees first is the big bold circle that's gold and bright the burning hot vanilla the burning hot vanilla the screaming hot vanilla gonna melt your eyeballs um <laughs> and then the little spokes off the side that you know you need people to understand the vanilla the mm -hmm. core the baseline of the game before right. they start traveling down the rays of the sun with all the all these different niches and each different like card that has a bunch of complex effects is its own specific niche. And that was something that I hadn't really thought of before. Like that happens even in fight sequence where, you know, one complex card that has two text effects, like interacts with opponents cards in a specific way. And has this specific payoff, which as an umbrella thing in this character's deck is similar to other cards, but it will deal with specific actions of the opponent better or worse than the other cards. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going for. And I didn't realize that I could think about those as their own specific niches. And that really helped me even reframe my own design. Yeah. Yeah. There, are, I, I, I mean, I, I hate to keep coming back to Marvel snap. It's just what I'm playing right now. So it's easy <laughs> to like, but that, what Maya I am said, familiar enough with Marvel. Right. Snap. And what Maya said that really hits home about that is there have been so many situations in that game where I've got like not vanilla cards in my deck and I get to a specific situation where I just need some power at a location to win but I've got a card that's going to do something stupid there because most of the yeah. time I want it to do the stupid thing, right? That's the point. But now the stupid thing's not going to help. I wish that right. it would just do the base thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, so there are some benefits to that. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and I think you get things too, like quasi vanilla cards where they do like a great example I can think of from that game is, and I, we'll see how you feel about this, right? So, okay. so America Chavez is this card in the game. She's, she, she's the most expensive, one of the most expensive cards. She costs six, which is the highest price. Usually she's mm -hmm. a nine power, which is pretty good. Um, It's not the best, but it's pretty good. Um, And that's her vanilla, right? What's not vanilla is you always draw her on the last turn. Like on the sixth turn, you will always, that's when you draw her, not before. That's when you always draw her, right? Okay. So it helps balance your deck. But essentially, her what you use her for when you play her is vanilla, right? What mm. you use her for in your deck is balance because she makes sure that other cards that you want come up sooner because she is sitting at the back of your deck, not getting in the way before you need her, right? Um, right. So I, I determined I would call that sort of like a quasi vanilla to where it's uh, got a there is a term the for that. Is there? Is there? Yes, French vanilla. French vanilla. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. like she's doing something meta to your game, but in the actual game, she's just a vanilla card, right? So yeah. like that's yeah. So that I that kind of stuff is interesting to me as well where it kind of bends the rules, but it's not some crazy thing that's like every time you do this, it's going to completely make things different, right? Yeah, it doesn't recontextualize the whole game. It just no, recontextualizes no, no. the of it. I mean, if you're asking my general opinion, I super love French vanilla stuff. Um, I love that too, in conjunction with the vanilla stuff. Um, so 
I mean, to pull from fight sequence as an example, you know, I have, uh, as you saw when you played it, I have a, there are a ton of vanilla cards. So cards have two stats Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, there's the speed, which is 10 through 60 and power, which is generally one through six or sometimes zeros or sometimes more than six. Um, and there are vanilla cards at, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 and 60 speed that have, Mm -hmm. you know, powers that match. I mean, not match the speed powers that, you know, I understand what you meant. Yeah. Yeah. Add together to make seven. Anyway. um, And then when you get to the character decks, there are French vanilla things where it's like a vanilla card, no text effects, but it has what is effectively a keyword. If you're, you know, for people who are familiar with magic, that's a great explanation. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and stuff like that. And so stuff like that, I think, is also really, really good at you know, keeping a middle ground between vanilla stuff and the rest of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, I do want to clarify a thing when I was using my son analogy, I am not stressing that like, Hey, every game design needs to be mostly vanilla stuff. That's right, not right. what I'm I trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, my nine card game, which is the thing that I brought to protospiel, uh, eight of the cards are not vanilla and one is vanilla and because it is so vanilla it's the giant stat stick and because of that it feels not vanilla right um, right, right and uh i think uh i forget exactly what the target that i said was but i'm trying to have the character decks each of the character decks be somewhere between 10 and 20 percent vanilla cards which mm-hmm, is you know mm-hmm. much less than half so that's kind of the vibe that i'm going for it's less like have a certain percentage of your game be vanilla stuff and more Mm -hmm. figure out a way to have the vanilla stuff either be plentiful enough that players are guaranteed to see it in like a random draw or whatever, or set your game up where players start with vanilla stuff, can see the baseline of the game, and then emerging complexity carries them through learning the more nuanced and niche things. Right, right. That's a good point. Yeah. So yeah super love me some vanilla it's just it's just i cannot tell you how many times i have asked after a playtest like what where are the vanilla cards in this card game show me right, what the vanilla right. cards are and then the de- the designer says oh i don't have any and then i go into a spiel a spiel i go into spiel mode i'm, I'm <laughs> shocked yeah what? what jamie has spiels there's another there's a funny little example that I want to pull mm-hmm. from video game land, you know, a Super Mario 64, the first three-dimensional. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if it was the first 3D platformer ever, but it was the first 3D Mario game for sure. And it was awful. Sorry, if you like what that. Super Mario 64? Are you kidding me? It's one of my favorite games. Oh my I god, it. I hate it because it's clunky because the 3D is <sighs> is bad. Fisticuffs. I Sorry. demand the. I also think oh Super Mario god. Sunshine is garbage. So, I haven't played that one, but I did get the thing for the Switch. Uh, what is it? Super Mario 3D All-Stars. And I recently, fun. yeah, yeah, I played through all of Super Mario 64 again. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, yes, it. yes. I got that. Uh, and I used it to play through Super Mario Galaxy, which I would argue is one of the single best Mario games ever made. I played enough of it that I can concur. But I'm, I'm trying to do them in order. I've never played right, Super right. Mario Sunshine. That's like, I think anyway, the gravity effects are what does it for me. The planetoids with the gravity effects and yeah. stuff like that's just brilliant. And you know what? You wouldn't be able to appreciate that as much if you hadn't played Super Mario 64. Bring yeah, it back no, to I vanilla. Would. So there's this funny thing that the director Dirty of vanilla. the game that I, okay, well, that's just weird. Um, <laughs> 
they were talking about once in an interview about how like you know they observed a lot of the like first players play testers early builds beta builds of mario mm-hmm. 64 mm-hmm. players just had a ton of fun just like running around and jumping and right, like right exploring a 3d space like before they even like started to try to achieve the goals of the game uh and so there's a lot of power in just like letting players yeah, yeah. do what comes intuitively to them right with the game system that you've provided them right and it's really really hard to do that without vanilla stuff yeah i mean zelda breath of the wild i, I think is one oh of the best God. games ever made and it's it's probably my favorite game that i've ever played and yes, I spent, I understand <laughs> after I beat the game, I spent another 20 to 30 hours beating every single quest in DLC just nice. because I wanted to explore the world. Uh, and then I spent even more time just exploring the world and having fun running around, finding those little, um, Koroks, Koroks. Yeah. Shrines. I was going to say yeah. Chocoboos and I was like, that is a different, uh, that is final fantasy. Wow. But, um, uh, uh also chocobos chocobos whatever <laughs> you know what i mean oh my god final fantasy is uh, not my thing i really like the one final <laughs> fantasy 2 i think final fantasy 2 wow kicking it og the one with the dragoon and stuff and all that so i don't know oh yeah i think that was two yeah i yeah, think that's... i've played every other mainline final fantasy except for that one that one is really really the first good. one is wild the first one is kooky and makes no sense. And it's very fun. Yeah. So here's a fun fact about Final Fantasy. The very first Final Fantasy, Square, mm-hmm. Squaresoft was about to go bankrupt and they had exactly enough time and resources to make one more game. And so they figured that after they made the game, they would go under. So they mm-hmm. called it Final Fantasy because it was going to be their final fantasy game that and they made. It became one of the biggest lines of fantasy games ever. Yes. Yep. <laughs> It yeah, and then it like yeah. So you know how the rest of the story went, and I'm yeah, extremely yeah. excited for Final Fantasy 16. Oh my god, Final Fantasy 32. Oh, uh, dare to dream. Well, yeah, maybe they'll just go like base 16 after that. Yeah, so 16, 32, 64. <laughs> um, and then 30, 64 will just be open world with bad graphics, and you'll just run. Yeah, it'll just stuff. be on the Super Mario 64 engine. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. a JRPG. Um, what were we talking about? Vanilla stuff. Vanilla stuff. So yeah, in Final Fantasy games, you start with like a basic attack. You don't have spells. You right, have the yeah. basic potion. Then over time, you get more complex stuff and more yep. nuanced stuff. Yeah, yeah. Almost I mean, like this idea of start with vanilla and then introduce emergent complexity throughout the game right, right. is a tried and true way to get players into your games. So Almost. Here's, here's a question <laughs> for you. So Shoot. a lot of games and, and fight sequence may be designed this way as well. Um, I, I only played, played it with you once or twice, but like, so I don't know what the, what the exact plan was, but like, there are a lot of games that say like, Hey, there's all these crazy things you can do in this game. For the first game, we suggest you use these things. Right. And yeah. whether or not they're vanilla, they are at least French vanilla, right? At the, at worst, they're simple. You understand it. And then they're like, Dominion is great for this, right? Here's what you do. Yeah. Also, once you've gotten used to this. Maybe add some weird cards in. Um, so yeah. I, I do think that like that's not even in the context of a game where it's like you start with boring workers and then you earn new workers that you can upgrade to. It's literally, hey, your first couple games are going to be these boring things because you need to learn to respect and understand the system. And then we're going to help you break it. Yeah, I 
for me, it depends on the specific game. Mm-hmm. I have mixed feelings depending on the game. So Dominion, I think, is a really good example. And when mm-hmm. I was, you know, Dominion was my first game that got me into, um, you know, a lot of people start with Catan in my generation. I started with Dominion. Um, it was I. I was playing it, man, like fourteen years ago in between Magic tournament rounds. Uh, we mm-hmm. would like jam our Dominion game that was off to the side. And I did really appreciate, especially because I was newer to hobby games, uh, that there were introductory sets. Mm-hmm. And so I've played through that. And I do like it when they are present in games these days. But I myself have the control as to whether or not I am going to Use learn them. the game with them. Right. Yeah. And right. No matter how many games I play and how smart I think I am and how good at games I think I am, the number of times I, I can't, I've lost count the number of times where I'm like, oh, yeah, I get this game. Let's just start with the expert set. Let's just play with the expansions in the first play. I don't care. And then I get absolutely destroyed and don't understand what's going on. <laughs> it's even for veterans like me, stuff Classic like that is very plastic overconfidence. Well, I mean, it's a matter of like player psychology. Right. Mm-hmm. And like how to teach people games. And so it's like, I, you know, I have over 20 years of com- uh, not 20 years of competitive Magic the Gathering, but I played competitive Magic the Gathering for over a decade. And I've played other card games competitively. Hearthstone for a couple of years. Legends of Runeterra more recently. Um, all kinds of stuff. And yet even with and tons and tons and tons of games, countless, countless board games and prototypes, mm-hmm. even with all of that, I can still get confused by the quote-unquote normal version of a game if i don't play the beginner version of, the, of a new game first right so right that just goes to show you the power so, of vanilla and vanilla setups so one thing though that i want to throw out there is a possible negative for vanilla what possible what? negative? I'm oh yeah yeah i'll get there too your thoughts on this <laughs> so like you know when i'm thinking about a new game that you're playing like let's do the worker placement game i feel like that's a really easy fodder for that yeah or you know what actually um, let's take a different let's take munchkin for example right munchkin the munchkin I might need some reminders i think i remember enough about munchkin it's so, been so long I, the way you play doesn't matter what matters is <laughs> you start off with really boring stuff and then you get better stuff right right um and my biggest complaint about munchkin is and a lot of people disagree with this a lot of people don't even like munchkin um but th- i feel like you know they say like get out and leave the people wanting more and i think munchkin gets out about three rounds too early or so on average to where I was like, gosh, Mm. I wish like I just got all my vanilla stuff turned into awesome stuff. And then you didn't get to use it. Right. Yep. Or I get to use it once or twice and now the game's over. And I'm like, well, that wasn't fun. Like I want to, I want to play five more rounds. Right. It's like I've played my D&D character for so long and now they're level 20 and they're ready to be epic. And we're like, let's end the campaign. And I'm like, but I worked so hard to get here. Right. <laughs> like It's that sort of thing. Like, I just feel like so. So in that case, one thing you could make the game longer, but let's say that's not possible. So then what you get is the feedback of if your game starts on turn three start your game on turn three, right? So back to the mm-hmm. worker placement scenario, if I start with a bunch of boring workers, but I can slowly upgrade them, why not just start with random upgraded workers or slightly, you know what I mean? Like there are arguments to be made in the other direction that it may be boring on your 20th play when you have to start at the base point, right? 
Yeah. I, so for situations like this, I mean, it's a tricky balance, right? And this is right, where I, I go back to saying like, you don't want the most of the game to be vanilla because of this exact thing. I mean, unless the game is super quick, but anyway, um, it it's a delicate balance. And I think the best the games that tackle this the best are the ones that account for that where you know going back to dominion where it's like all right so cool you're playing your first game of dominion we recommend you use these 10 actions and oh you've played a couple games of dominion we recommend you use one of these sets of 10 actions oh you've played a bunch of games of dominion pick 10 random ones and see what happens um and those sorts of the so you know this worker placement thing yeah if you can just start the game on turn three that might not necessarily solve the problem because it might push you too far in the direction of not right, allowing right. players enough use of the vanilla to learn the system such right. that they can use the more complex stuff well. But, you know, there's also something to be said for, and this is where I want to play devil, devil's advocate against myself. Mm -hmm. What I When I am feeling feisty, I will say Which is most to be a brat. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, so most of the time... I will say that every game needs more focus on vanilla stuff. Like every single game could use, uh, what is it that I said? I put it here in my notes. Every single game could use more of like, keep the complexity in the decision space with simpler stuff. Don't mm -hmm. put it all on the cards. Don't put it all on the pieces that players play with stuff like that. But not every single game is for, every, for all the audiences that I am referring to there, of course. So to talk about it in less feisty terms, mm -hmm. there is value in like, like, hey, I'm designing this worker placement game. There are a ton of worker placement games already. My audience for this game is people who are already familiar with worker placement games. So my right. vanilla baseline is higher than something like Agricola or whatever. Mm -hmm. And there is, you know, if that is your target, then go for it, you know, as long as you know how to target your target audience. That goes into a whole different discussion of, like, knowing how to market to the players that you want to play the game and making sure they know about the game and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, That's a good point. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so to bring it back around to a real-world example, are you familiar with Argent the Consortium? No. I've literally never even heard of that before. Ah, so, yeah, it is one of the level 99 games, and level 99 games often have very kooky, funny names. So Argent the Consortium is their worker placement game that is set in the same universe as their Battlecon line of games. And okay. Exceed, I think, yeah, Exceed is the same universe as well. So Argent the Consortium, whole bunch of spaces, you're traveling around. It's uh, basically, what is the overall theme? It's like, uh, figure out who the, the new board of inductees for the staff at this magic school, the consortium are like, you have to like learn who the consortium is and like vote in the proper consortium members. I don't okay. know. It's some sort of something. I played it once. It was wild. Anyway, it's a worker placement game and everyone gets workers that each do specific things. So you already mm -hmm. have pre upgraded workers and 18 places to play them. And the workers interact with other like opponents workers like you can block other people or like eject them from places and like um attack your opponent it's wild it is a wild worker placement game it is not for someone who has never played a worker placement game before it absolutely mm -hmm. the market absolutely is like they have cornered the market on if you if you like worker placement games already try this one it's wild right, right. um so yeah so there is definitely like if someone rolls up to me and they're like yo i have this card game the target audience is players who have played competitive magic for 10 years here's my card game and it has no vanilla cards there's a chance 
that that could be okay. Mm, I hesitate to say with any game ever uh, that like, you know, having no vanilla stuff is going to be fine. Um, even in smaller games, like I said, my nine card game has a vanilla card, but there is value in knowing like wielding the lack of vanilla appropriately. I think another good example, this is a game that is popular. I don't like this game because it is too complex for me. I can't figure it out. Innovation. If you've played Innovation. that one. That sounds familiar, but I don't think I have. Yeah, it's a it's a game that's just on cards and they're organized into 10 ages. And so you start at age one and then you have to go through age 10. And like there's a couple okay. of different ways to win the game. Um, but basically like even... So like the age one cards are the closest to vanilla and the mm -hmm. easiest one to understand has four icons and an ability and some other like role icon that it has. So there's mm -hmm. like six pieces of information that you have to parse at least on every single card. And some cards have two or even three abilities. Um, they're not a vanilla card to be found in that game. And I think that's one of the reasons why I don't like it. Um, but again, there is an audience for that game. They have sold many, many copies and multiple expansions. And it's I, I think it has like three different printings um, hmm. over the years. So. So, yeah, basically what I'm trying to say is vanilla is the most important part of your game, except when it's not. But it is all the time. So listen to me. But sometimes you don't have to. <laughs> that's that's my thesis statement. Wow. Wow, that is quite the thesis statement there. Okay. <laughs> no, I get you. I get you. I like this because, um, you know, I I'm such a big advocate for, advocate for things like variable player powers and stuff. Yeah. But those work better when you also have a vanilla baseline to them, right? Yeah. You also have something that's like allows you to yeah just have something you know what i mean have like yeah it just you know what i mean right like it just mm -hmm. they work better when you've got plain stuff in there so yep yeah yep i recently at protospiel i play tested a friend a game by a friend of mine um aterna is the name of the game and the idea mm -hmm. is that it is for exactly three players as of right now it might change but it's for it's for exactly three players and each player gets an elemental so there's an earth a fire and a water elemental Mm -hmm. The way that the earth elemental wins the game is catching the water elemental by like moving into its space. There's mm -hmm. a big hex board in the middle. It's a hex island, bunch of hexes, mountains, water, stuff like that. When the earth elemental moves onto the water elemental space, the earth elemental wins. When the water elemental catches the fire elemental, the water elemental wins. If the fire elemental catches the earth elemental, fire, fire elemental wins. Okay. And it's, it's a rad concept because there's this really like shifting diplomacy thing of like you know i'm earth and you're water fire's gonna catch me which means you also lose so you gotta work with me to like make sure fire doesn't get to yeah. me because you're trying yeah. to catch fire you know help me out here and then like okay cool now i you know bopped you in a trap and it's just like stuff like that is happening all the time and it's really rad i played with um david masnato a friend a good friend of mine oh yeah played lots of games I like david. yeah david is awesome very very smart individual oh my gosh so smart so the two of Very us played smart. against the designer and the first game lasted two rounds because there aren't any vanilla abilities there are a lot of things to know up front uh-huh because every single elemental has like four different abilities that you can use 
and it you like move a disc so like whatever you use last turn you can't use this turn so you have to think ahead in that uh, way too mm -hmm. and they have a start of turn power that always happens the earth elemental who i was playing has a second little figure that moves around too like the earth elemental is really slow but has this little stone crab that also moves around and is also oh, slow yeah. so i don't have it's much also slow yeah, yeah. So I don't have much mobility, but I do have two figures that I'm moving. So I'm moving two things instead of just one. I have four mm -hmm. things to pick on my turn. There's a fifth thing I can do, which is use the random card up top. And then the next card I can see, but I can't use it. But if I use this card, the next card is the one that's revealed. And I also have static abilities on the bottom, such as, you know, I can move through mountains where the other characters can't. Um and uh, I get bonus movement if there are enough forests on the, and I can plant forests and like all this other stuff. And mm -hmm. I'm like, this game is rad, but I need a way to be onboarded more easily other than play a couple of games against the designer and lose really quickly, which did <sighs> right. work in this case. But like there are plenty of times where, you know, if one experienced player is showing two novices and wins the game in two rounds, are those novices ever going to play the game again? Yeah, and, and probably not. I mean, that is that is a big problem with that sort of thing. So, Right. Yeah. So to, you know, your example of the variable player powers, it could be something like, you know, set up a really quick demo game. It's not even intended to be a full game. It's like, here's three rounds of the game with mm -hmm. nobody having powers. Okay, now that you've seen the flow of the game and you know how the game ends, now let's start the actual game and give player powers. Yes. I like that. That makes a lot more sense. And that yeah. helps, I think, people understand a lot a lot quicker. And uh, yeah, and it's just, I think it's just well-balanced that way. I mean, if your game is all crazy things, um, something's going to give when it comes to balance. It just is. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, so much I mean, harder to balance. Yeah, that brings me back to the, like, using vanilla cards as the benchmarks for balancing a game. Right. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because without that, I, I, I obviously I said it too. You know, I'm firmly, firmly am with that, that if you don't have that, then you're never going to accurately balance the game. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, so yes and no. I think that you can, you can break things down to the point where you understand that even if you don't have vanilla cards. But having vanilla cards will make it way easier, right? Because yeah. you know you have to break it down to say what is one equal to one of whatever the resource is, whether the resource is time, money, actions, it doesn't matter, right? Right. You just have to get back to whatever that resource is. What is the main resource of this and what is it worth? And everything has to be based on that. And when you have a vanilla card, it's super duper easy to do that. Yeah. <laughs> because it's super easy it's for you right as a designer there. to it. Yeah, and it's super easy. So the thing about it, like, let's say you don't have vanilla cards and you do take all the time and testing to figure out what this benchmark is. Like, what are your benchmarks without vanilla cards? Players have to go through all that work every time they play as well. Every new mm -hmm. player has to do that work again. So you like, why not just make it way easier for them with vanilla cards or effects or actions or whatever it is? Vanilla stuff. Vanilla stuff. Vanilla stuff. Um, that's that's my new dj name vanilla stuff <laughs> oh i guess it. vanilla ice already exists so maybe it's that's why vanilla stuff is better so oh yeah 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 like uh the middle of an oreo yes i was almost gonna say that oh which is literally like stuff like they're stuffed with stuff what do you what do you stuff oreos with 
stuff. stuff. Yeah, but it's stuff with one F. <laughs> what if they're double stuff? Then I feel like there might be two Fs. No, no, no. I That's exactly what I pulled it from. Because double stuff is S-T-U-F. Oh, it's how it's it? spelled and stylized. Yes. Really? I listen. You I'm are talking a to a reformed Oreo addict. <laughs> I know of which I speak. I know what of what I speak. Yes, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, hey, I had a real Oreo problem. What? Sorry. Uh, you've got. Uh, so this was a good discussion. I, I'm super glad we were able to talk about this. Um, I was hoping that, you know, you could prove that you had other games you're working on by throwing out the ideas around. <laughs> you keep talking about this nine card game. I feel like you should just kind of explain that to us so we understand I, it, if you're ready. I absolutely am. And I could tell you about the other four games I've been working on, too, if you'd like. Uh, so let's just do the one for now, because I want to save them. <laughs> I want to I save these for your other episodes. You know, you got to have That's some. Um, yeah, I got to keep an air of mystery. <laughs> okay so this nine card game is something that i've gone you know back and you know i've i would work on it for a short while put it on the shelf come back to it much later the original theme was very silly and i really liked that mm -hmm. um but i because i was trying to adhere too much to the theme i backed myself into a corner with the design uh, so yeah yeah, I it was a an issue I ran into and it was on the shelf for a long time and I couldn't figure out how to fix it. And I decided on a whim to be like, all right, cool, I'm going to bust this out and I'm just going to change the theme to something really generic because I am very much a top down designer or a, a flavor first, a right, theme right. first designer. Uh, if you're more used to those terms, Not vanilla first. <laughs> Listen, I'm always vanilla first, <laughs> no matter what. No matter what, my designs are vanilla first. Um, so I I scrapped the whole theme and I put I did some generic uh, element theme, which I actually really liked a lot more. And I definitely leaned into some top down design, but it was mostly like bottom up design. And I was trying it that way and it worked surprisingly well, just like slapping this generic theme on it so much so that players actually really resonated with it, which I didn't expect. So I think I'm just going to keep it because the art for it is really simple. I just have to do nine icons and a card back and a card frame. Um, and the graphic designer for fight sequence is already on board with doing it. And we're already doing six like elemental icons for fight sequence. So we're just going to use those and then just do three nice. more. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So keep uh, save a little money there. So it's called Elemistic uh, and it's, the I I the theme is very vague. I guess it's something like you're both like elementals wielding whatever magic you can grab to like throw at each other or something. Uh, it is a nine card game, but there are 18 cards in the package. Um, there are two reminder cards for a specific card that you can only use once a game. There are four cards that make up health trackers. And then there are there's one card that is a reminder of who drafts first this round. And then mm -hmm. uh, two cards that are, you know, like... Hey, you played this card, so next round you get a power, and so here's a little reminder token for it. So it adds up to exactly nine cards that you play with and nine cards that are like tokens and reminders and stuff. The gist mm -hmm. of the game, every single card has a top half and a bottom half. The top half has the icon, the name, and basic stats. There's attack and defense. And then the bottom half is the special of the card. So it has larger, generally, larger attack and defense and a text effect. So every single round, mm -hmm. you shuffle up the nine cards, the nine elements. You set one aside. That's the unknown element. 
you deal one to each player. Those are their secret elements. And they go in the hand. And then you flip over the, the remaining six. And those are going to be drafted. Not a snake draft, though. It used to be a snake draft, but I changed it. The player who drafts first takes two of the six face-up cards, keeps them face-up, but they're in the hand. The other player takes two. And then the player who drafted first takes one. And then the second player takes the remaining one. The player, So now each player has four cards in hand. The player who drafted first also has to play first, plays one of the cards into what it what will be a column of three cards. So each round you through drafting, you get four cards, you're playing three of them, you have to choose one to not play. So mm-hmm. let's say you're drafting first, playing first this round. You play a card. So let's say you play uh, ice, you play the ice element. And I'm like, all right, cool, I play water. And now you are playing your second card and you have a choice. You can either play the card behind ice to the back of the column so you have the bottom half let's say you're playing earth and you put earth behind ice so only the top half of earth is visible so you're covering up earth's special so only ice's special is visible right right that makes sense yeah or you could lay it on in front of ice in the front of the column where you use the top half of earth to cover up ice Mm-hmm. They go back and forth one at a time. So you can choose to like, all right, cool. And once you play a card, it's not moving. So like, cool. If you play Earth in front of ice, I know you're not using the ice special because the Earth special now is what's in the front of your column because there's only one special that's visible because you're building in a column. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so once we play all three of the cards in our column, you then resolve the attacks. That column is a whole attack. And so you, every card has a speed value between one and nine that's on the bottom of the card. So it's on the special. So there's no confusion there. And there's no ties. Whoever has the faster speed will resolve the attack first. You add up the four attack values on the columns because you have the three top halves visible. And then the fourth one is on the special of whatever mm-hmm. the bottom card is or the bottom of whatever card is in front. So you add up those four attack values, subtract them from my four or subtract my defense value total. And that's how much damage I deal. And you start with 10 health. You have to get your opponent down to zero health first. And then, yeah. And then the last thing is, yeah. Yep. And then whoever has the slower speed attack is the person who drafts first and plays first in the next round. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I like that. Interesting. And it's only nine cards, too. It's only so nine that cards. Is, that is cool. Yeah, I gotta yeah. try that sometime. Do you have that online? I do have it online. Yeah. Oh, cool. It's on screen yeah. top. It's not public yet. Uh, I'm in the middle of um, of rebalancing the cards. The system with this, like, drafting and draft first, play first in the column and stuff like that, I've tested it enough that the system I love, the system is, it's kind of like fight sequence, where, like, the, the core rules are done. The system is done, and mm-hmm. I just need to balance the cards within the system. Right, that makes sense. Nice. Yeah, I yeah. want to try that one. I want to. We talked about getting together to try some stuff, anyways. So. Yep. Yeah, Elemistic is the game that I'm bringing. It's literally it's cool. literally that one. Very cool. Yeah, I definitely want to yeah. try it. So. Awesome! Awesome! Well, and try hey, it. You will. <laughs> listeners, I hope you enjoyed our plain Jane playing jamie vanilla conversation <laughs> we just had. uh i uh i i i think it's cool i don't know that we've ever talked about this in this way before we've talked about we always talk about the special stuff so talking about this is is pretty cool um, yeah and i like it the, 
don't get me wrong. The special stuff is awesome. And the special stuff is what people are going to remember about your game for years to come. But they can't appreciate the special stuff without the vanilla stuff being there. Right. It's like, I mean, like you can't appreciate the rich stuff if you haven't lived the life like the Goonies have before that. Right? <laughs> um, so, yeah. <laughs> I just get, you said this wow. special stuff and it just made me think of, we're going to find the rich stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't so, thought about the Goonies in years. The Goonies, tell your friends. We just showed our kids it recently and they loved it. Um, so yeah. The but hey. It's tell uh, your friends. <laughs> <laughs> if they haven't seen it, uh, it's all about finding the rich stuff. Yeah, you got to find the rich stuff. Yeah. I think this is our shortest recorded episode together. Well, it's still it's still over an hour, so we did all right. So yeah. All right. Well, yeah, great. So uh, <laughs> sometimes episodes aren't even an hour, but I like when they're over an hour. It's fun. Gives yeah. people more for their money, um, you know. So. <laughs> All zero that money. Expensive subscription service that we have. We uh, gotta, we gotta switch to the rich stuff. We gotta get the rich stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, listeners, I do hope you enjoyed our vanilla conversation. I, I certainly did. Uh, yeah. It was, it was cool to hear that somebody else thinks about a lot of this stuff like I do. So uh, makes mm-hmm. me feel smart, especially with somebody smart like Jamie. So that's cool. Um, but if you want to get in touch with us, of course, you can go to buildinggamepodcast.com. There you can find a link to our Discord. You can go to uh, email us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. You can, of course, find us on the Twitter at podcastbtg, at jaslingerland, at 3xrainbowgames. But, of course, you could just keep coming back every single week, mm-hmm. and we hope you will. And until next time, good night. Oyasumine Sai. Building the game, building the game, with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game, with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.